Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This is going to be for section 33, so let's go ahead and get into this one. Let me read you first from the heading to the section. It says, Revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet to Ezra Thayer and Northrop Sweet at Fayette, New York, October 1830. In introducing this revelation, Joseph Smith's history affirms that the Lord is ever ready to instruct such as diligently seek in faith. So just a little background about this particular section. Ezra Thayer and Northrop Sweet came into the church at the time of the preaching of the Lamanites, uh, of the Lamanite missionaries. On October 1830, they were called by revelation to enter the ministry and hearken to the voice of the Lord, whose word is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow. It was not long after this that Northrop Sweet left the church and with some others formed what they called the Pure Church of Christ, an organization that soon came to its end. So let's go ahead and get started with this. Verse 1, Behold, I say unto you, my servants, Ezra, now he marched with Zion's camp, Ezra did, and in 1835 was chosen as one of the 70. Following the martyrdom of the prophet Joseph Smith, Thayer chose not to support the Quorum of the Twelve, remaining in the Midwest. He eventually joined the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that was a quote by uh, Joseph Fielding McConkie. And Northrop. Northrop did not remain in the church long. He formed a church called the Pure Church of Christ, which I just mentioned. Open ye your ears and hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, whose word is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow, soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. For verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye are called to lift up your voices as with the sound of a trump, to declare my gospel unto a crooked and perverse generation. For behold, the field is wide, already to harvest, and it is the eleventh hour. In the era of the Bible, division of time designated that the first hour of a day began at sunrise, or approximately 6 a.m. The eleventh hour came at about 5 p.m., or towards the end of the workday. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, the Savior taught, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his, into his vineyard. In the parable of the laborers, we learn that at about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. In symbolic fashion, the restoration of the gospel came in the eleventh hour. The laborers of all dispensations have served as co-workers in the vineyard of the Lord, some receiving their commission to work in the early hours that followed the creation, and others to work in, the, in these the last days. That was by Joseph Healing McConkie. Joseph Healing Smith said, This is the eleventh hour. The time in which we live is compared to the eleventh hour, and so it is in the Lord's reckoning, for we are in the closing scenes of the present world. Orson F. Whitney referred to our dispensation as the Saturday night of time, and according to the parable of the men employed in the vineyard, we who labor in this hour will be rewarded if we are faithful with equal compensation with those who labored in the previous hours or dispensations in the history of mankind. 
Continuing verse 3, And the last time that I shall call laborers into my vineyard. Jacob chapter 5 gives a detailed account of the allegory of the olive trees, which speaks about the last time the laborers would be called to labor in the vineyard. Verse 4, And my vineyard has become corrupted every whit, and there is none which doeth good, save it be a few. And they err in many instances because of priestcrafts and, and all, ha- having, all having corrupt minds. Hiram M. Smith said, Let me explain. When I use the term corrupt with reference to these ministers of the gospel, that I use it in the same sense that I believe the Lord used it when he made that declaration to Joseph Smith the prophet in answering the prophet's prayer. He did not mean, nor do I mean, that the ministers of religion are personally unvirtuous or impure. I believe as a class they perhaps in personal purity stand a little above the average order of men. When I use the term corrupt, I mean, as I believe the Lord meant, that they have turned away from the truth, the purity of the truth, the beauty of the truth, and have turned to that which is false. A false doctrine is a corrupt doctrine. A false religion is a corrupt religion. A false teacher is a corrupt teacher. Any man who teaches a false doctrine, who believes in and practices and teaches a false religion, is a corrupt professor because he teaches that which is impure and not true. Verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that this church have I established and called forth out of the wilderness. In other words, restoring the church after the apostasy. And even so will I gather mine elect from the four quarters of the earth, even as many as will believe in me and hearken unto my voice. Yea, verily, verily, I say unto you that the field is white, all ready to harvest. Wherefore, thrust in your sickles and reap with all your might, mind, and strength. Open your mouths, and they shall be filled. An act of faith, isn't it? And you shall become even as Nephi of old, who journeyed from Jerusalem in the wilderness. Yea, open your mouths, and spare not, and you shall be laden with sheaves upon your backs. For lo, I am with you. Yea, open your mouths, and they shall be filled, saying, Repent, repent, and prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his paths straight. Similar to John the Baptist's mission to prepare the way for the Lord for the mortal ministry of the Savior, the saints of the latter days are to prepare the way for the millennial ministry of Jesus Christ. Authors Hiram M. Smith and Jane, uh, Jan M. Shodal observed, Eastern potentates, when traveling from one part of the kingdom to another, would proclaim their coming and order their subjects to prepare the way for them by building roads where there were none, if necessary, by leveling hills and filling up depressions and straightening out the winding paths. To prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight is to acknowledge his sovereignty and to make all necessary preparations for his reception. He will not come to reign until all necessary preparations for his coming have been made. Hear this, O Israel. Hear this, O earth, declared the prophet Joseph Smith. The Lord will not come to reign over the righteous in this world in 1843, nor until everything for the bridegroom is ready. Continuing verse 10. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yea, repent and be baptized every one of you for a remission of your sins. Yea, be baptized even by water, and then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, this is my gospel. And remember that they shall have, they that, that they shall have faith in me, or they can in no wise be saved. And upon this rock I will build my church, yea, upon this rock ye are built. And if ye continue, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And ye shall remember the church articles and covenants to keep them. Anthony W. Ivins said, There is no reason in the world why each member of the church should not have a thorough understanding of the principles of the gospel, of the order of the church, and the government of the church, so that none need be led astray by any wind of doctrine or notion that prevails among the children of men. 
which may come to their attention. If we are firmly grounded in the faith and built upon the rock, we will know the truth, the truth which will make us free. Verse 15, And whoso having faith you shall confirm in my church by the laying on of the hands, and I will bestow the gift of the Holy Ghost upon them. And the Book of Mormon and the Holy Scriptures are given of me for your instruction, and the power of my Spirit quickeneth all things. Wherefore, be faithful, praying always, having your lamps trimmed and burning, and oil with you, that you may be ready at the coming of the bridegroom. This admonition is clearly clearly a warning to the saints to maintain a state of spiritual readiness as the coming of the Lord draws even closer. Francis Lyman said, The Lord requires his people to bow the knee before him every night and morning and to remember him in their secret prayers. Every Latter-day Saint who neglects this requirement has not the supply of oil which is necessary to prepare him for the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 18, For behold, verily, verily, I say unto you that I come quickly, even so, amen. The references to the Savior coming quickly does not indicate the nearness of his, com- of his second coming. Rather, as illustrated in the context of the parable of the ten virgins, it indicates that there will not be time to prepare for the preparation of the righteous and the wicked after the Savior comes. Such preparation must have been made previous to his appearances. I bear testimony that these things are true and that as we prepare for the second coming, that we might all be ready for that. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Toodaloo.